The Cypher Film Podcast. And welcome to the Cyphora Film Podcast. Um, I am Andy Walker. Again, changed a little bit at some point, but I came what? back to hey, uh, you were Andy Walker at one point before. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, for a day or two, I wasn't, and now I am again. <laughs> for a day or two, I was uh, an occasional table. I will say before we start, have you like uh, got your teeth in this time and? I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see what the um, what the uh, we'll have to wait and see what the show throws up. Just prove that point, then, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, what am I doing? Oh yes, uh, I'm Andy Walker, and I'm again here <laughs> as always with my son Scott. Hello, Scott. Hello there. How are you. I'm all right. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. I have realised, though, that I am wearing the exact same shirt as I was last week. Well, these things happen. Yeah, I've only just realised. I sat there with like... I'm wearing exactly exactly the same heat I was wearing last week. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Oy. Right. <laughs> so, uh, this week we are... <clears throat> we are... <clears throat> We are reviewing two short films and a long one again. Uh, we have something sort of specialist this week, uh, something different <coughs> things. Yes. So uh, to start off with, the first of the short films is a science fiction film from 2020, which is called Moonfall, not to be confused with the um, current uh, disaster movie. And I mean that in as much as it's not about a disaster, it just is a disaster. Disaster movie. movie. Yeah. Uh, it's it is possibly the most ridiculous film I think I've ever seen. Um, it's worth watching, but it is possibly the most ridiculous film I've ever seen. Um, anyway, back to this one, Moonfall from 2020, uh, written and directed by uh, Zachary Thibodeau. Thibodeau. I think I pronounce it Thibodeau and Odessa Ferraria. Ferrara. Ferrara. Yeah. Anyway, screenplay was by Dylan Creef. The cast is uh, Odessa Ferrara, uh, Paul Lott, Fernando Ferraro, uh, Zachary Thibodeau, and Jeanette Sanfranco. Uh, the music was by uh, Jonah Orion and Thomas Quirion. There you go. 
The synopsis says humanity is all but extinct and Moonfall is its last hope. Alice is plagued by her past while struggling to prove herself worthy for the programme. But not everything as it seems in this decaying world. Mm. So, uh, what do you think? I wasn't actually a big fan of this. I don't know. Okay. I don't know what it, I, I think again this is the same as it was last week it's just it's the same idea again of the whole natural not like this whole sort of world coming to an end and we need to save it or i just i don't know it's again it's I, just I, felt I like... re, it dragged so much for me yeah no i understand that i mean it, i like the, again i like the way it began with the like the the the, the film clips intercut with like the pictures of the um planet falling apart and all that kind of thing it, it, yes it's got that eco message the same as the one we had last week it's a well-made um film and all that kind of thing but yeah it's just too long it's a bit too long i will say there are parts of it that made me feel like i'd taken something yeah i mean some of the lighting and, and this and the yeah. color effects were quite good but the, one of the things i have a problem with it is this is supposed to be a dying and decaying planet yeah, it was very green. It was. It was the the trees and the grass were very lush and green for for a dying. Yeah, it, I don't think it helped as well with the filter they put on, which yeah. is obvious they did on the camera work because the sky is not purple. But it's, it's just well, it's not in everyone else's world. Not in your world, but it's just it made everything look obviously meant to be like a bit of an odd color, but yeah, it didn't help that. Obviously, it didn't done the same thing to the suit she was wearing, which looked like a glow suit. But yeah. I don't know, it just... I think yeah. the whole problem with it is that the middle section of this was just far too long. Yeah, it just it dragged way too much. I mean, it's okay-ish, but it's just a bit over long. And I, I've, I, it's a problem, I think, with a lot of films that have the kind of eco messages. They just try too hard to push the message. Yeah. And, and you can do that, but... You don't need to make it such a, a a big film, you know. I mean, you could make a five, ten, five, sort of five, six minute film, and get the same message across as well. You can by making a fifteen minute film. Yeah, I think that's the problem with it. It's the fact it's just it's too long, and you almost lose the message within it. Yeah. Well, what's going on? It sort of it got to the point where I read I read the synopsis and I was like, okay, it's another message, and it got to about halfway through, and I was like, what are they trying to say at this at, at the moment? Yeah. It just it confused me a lot with the whole trippiness and sort of see. I think the, that, problem, just... the other problem is that you had the message of it being this sort of eco thing and all that, but there was also the message about the sort of uh, class system and yeah. you know how and why people are chosen for what goes on and all. It's it's all a bit. I think it all just got a bit muddled in the middle. Yeah. Okay. So on to our next uh, short film. Now this is a <clears throat> this is a special thing. We were asked if we would review this. Yes. Um, this is a film from twenty twenty one called Mister Sleep, uh, Hailstorm Pictures, uh, in conjunction with the University of West Scotland. Writer and director is John Perivalaris, who some of you may know we have interviewed before and I worked with a couple of years ago. Um, the cast is Anthony Kelly and Shawnee Henderson. 
uh, and the the uh, director of photography and like, cinematography and all that is uh, Mark Boggis, who also worked on the film that I worked with John on as well. Um, so the synopsis says, an introverted woman welcomes her charming new flatmate, but shortly after finds one of her eyes has developed a rash and someone's been in her room. Is she losing her mind or is something sinister at play? Now, John has classed this as a thriller, and I suppose it is, but it's also got many of the same type of mm. atmospheric and suspense features that you get in a horror film. Yeah. So, I don't know, is it a thriller, is it a horror? It doesn't have the same kind of payoff that you would get at a horror as a horror film, in which somebody ends up dying or whatever, you know, and blood and guts everywhere. <laughs> But that's the only thing that's different. But again, we have we have watched films, a lot of horror films, where it pro where they've proven you don't have to have the blood and guts and yeah all that in it. This I think it it does feed into that horror aspect because it's sort of that that whole fear factor of you're letting someone into your life into into your sort of safe space that you're hoping that you can trust, and then find out the what they were doing and yeah. It's sort of that. The way, obviously, the way she reacts is very understandable. But yeah, it's yeah. sort of that moment of what he could then do afterwards, whether or not he could go the nice way or could potentially go like a horrific way. Yeah. So I think it it can have them aspects on it because pretty sure there's people that have had that happen to him. It's probably quite a horrifying time. Yeah, I mean, yes, I mean that's the thing. It does have all of the aspects of a horror film apart from the kind of like you, you would ex, you would expect that the end of it either she would kill him or he would kill her yeah so you know that was kind of but because that's not there it kind of i don't think it detracts anything from the film because i think the no. film's brilliant but um i just i just it, it makes it difficult to see whether or not you would actually class it as a horror or whether it's a I don't know, uh, horrific thriller. I don't know. I, I don't know how you would. Yeah, it's, it's definitely the got the fr it's definitely got the thriller aspect to it. I suppose, like you said, it's got the it's got the traits of pretty much everything you'd have in a horror film, yeah. other than the typical death of it. Really, yeah. I suppose the, the, the fact that the, the, yeah, the bit that everyone ties to a horror film, which is the blood and guts and the death and everything like that. Yeah. So I suppose it it it's one it's sort of one new ones like we've we've had before that sits quite quite precariously on that border of which one is it and yeah. whether or not yeah. it can be classed as both or what. But I mean, it, it is it's very well made. I mean, to be honest, Mark's uh, cinematography is great. I think he he, he yeah. such a good he, he's done such a good job on both of the films I've seen done with John. Um, the lighting and sound work really well. They're exactly right for what for what is needed. Um, and the acting's really good as well. Yeah, the, the, the sound, the lighting effect that they've done, especially when they do the shots of later in, later in the evening when they're in the room, and all when especially when he brings his hands forward, and all you can see is he's sort of part of his hand and the fingertips to have just that lit up yeah, and not yeah. show him and have him in complete darkness, but see that his silhouette. Oh, very very well done. 
Oh yeah, it was incredibly well done. It's it's a really got a really good look to it, and I I really like it. I really like the film. But I think it's it's a great film, um, yeah. and I don't care whether it's a thriller or a horror. To be honest, I just think it's a really good film. Yeah, it's this. There's like I said, it's it's one of the ones that can quite happily sit on the sort of border of being whether or not it's a thriller or a horror, or whether or not you can class it as both. I think it doesn't yeah. really matter. This film is such an amazing film. And, I, I, again, after like we've spoken to John before, and obviously you've worked with John and a few of the other people that are involved in this, I am sort of worried, and might, I might just have to ask John if he's okay if he's come up with this idea, just because <laughs> like we've spoken about this before, where people have had these ideas, and it's just if this is just one that's randomly popped into his head, then it, 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 he knows someone this has happened to. Either way, that's still quite a terrifying thing. There are a couple of bits a couple of effects in it um physical effects of, of like some of the things that he does to her especially why she gets a, a, a developed a rash in her eye but I, I just kind of think how did they do that because it's incredibly well done yeah i've got to admit, when they show the the clip of what was going on even like, i've got I will admit, i've got quite a strong stomach yeah. it comes to a lot of things <laughs> i can tolerate quite a lot of things but even i sat there at that point and went Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't mind. I can sort of move my own eye around and stuff like that, but I can sort of. I don't mind that sort of aspect. I've seen horror films where worst happens. <laughs> but I, I looked at that and I was like, "That's turned my stomach." Yeah, it's a bit. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it, again, I think it's a great film, and um, we're going to be talking to John uh, next week. Either one of us, both of us, or some combination of the two of us, somehow. I don't know what I'm talking about there. But um, yes, we have John on next week and we can ask him about this and uh, what else he's, he's working on currently. Um, he's, he's very good and very talented. <laughs> is this, is this uh, I will ask, I will have to say this. We're not trying to be biased, or I'm not trying, I'm definitely not really biased. No. I'm, like, I'm pretty sure we had not trying to be biased, obviously. No, 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 at all. Working but I will say this has got. On the um, on the YouTube where we watched it, it does say the fact he's won awards with it. Absolutely, yeah. all credit to John. I can completely see why his films are winning awards. Oh yeah, it's Definitely. it's such an amazing teams that he puts together over time. He 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 does. He he works with some really really good people, and he he's just got he's got a great way about him as well. And and uh, I I. Can't wait to see more of what he does. Yeah, I want to see him do feature films. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Okay. So we're going on to our feature-length film, which is something a bit different here. Uh, it's a 1978 film called the horror film called The Legacy. Uh, it's done by Universal Films. And it was a British film but with some american stars and it's a bit yeah different anyway let's go through it uh so the you can say came out in 1978 uh director was uh richard marquand who did some tv stuff in the 60s and the 70s and apart from this he also uh did uh star wars return of the jedi he did some work on that in 1983 uh writers uh, we have Jimmy Sangster, who wrote the original story and uh, 
the screenplay along with two other people. Now, he did some TV stuff in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. Now, other things he wrote either the story or the screenplay for, we have X the Unknown in 1956, Curse of Frankenstein, 1957, Dracula, 1958, Revenge of Frankenstein, 1958, uh, The Snorkel, 1958, Blood of the Vampire, 1958, The Trollenberg Terror in 1958, Jack the Ripper, 1959, The Man Who Could Cheat Death in 1959, The Mummy, 1959, The Brides of Dracula, 1960, Taste of Fear, 1961, Paranoiac, in 1963, The Maniac in 1963, Nightmare 1964, Dracula Prince of Darkness 1966, Crescendo in 1970, Horror of Frankenstein 1970, Whoever Slew Auntie Rue in 1972, uh, Fear in the Night 1972, Phobia in 1980, and Flashback in the year 2000. You had a bit of a break. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Um, so that's, that's quite a decent sort of thing uh the other people who wrote the screenplay we got uh, patrick tilly who did some tv stuff in the 60s and wrote the screenplay for the people that time forgot in 1977 and uh paul wheeler uh what's that raul wheeler anyway uh who did basically just did tv stuff in the 60s 70s 80s and 90s so they were responsible for the screenplay and the story now the cast First off, we have Catherine Ross, who did uh, TV stuff in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s, and was in, a. <laughs> she only four films that come under our sort of like umbrella, but what four films they are, The Stepford Wives in 1975, The Swarm in 1978, The Final Countdown in 1980, and Dottie Darko in 2001. Yeah, it's, 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 as much as she's done other films, for horror and sci-fi, that is definitely <laughs> four quite distinctively good films. Yeah. And uh, next we have Sam Elliott, who I'm sure everybody knows. Uh, did some TV work in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 2020s. Uh, for us, as far as our, our stuff goes, we have got Frogs in 1972, The Hulk... Oh, no, sorry, not The Hulk, just Hulk oh. in 2003, Ghost Rider 2007, Golden Compass in 2007, and The Man Who Killed Hitler and then Bigfoot, then The Bigfoot in 2018. Well, I would say I've seen a lot of Sam Elliott films and that's still got to be one of my favourites. <laughs> it's just bizarre. So then we have John Standing uh, did TV stuff in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2020s. Um, he was in the psychopath in uh, or psychopath even in 1966, Torture Garden in 1967, Night Flyers in 1987, The Calling in 2000, Animal in 2005, and V for Vendetta in 2005. Yeah. Uh, then we have Ian Hogg. Now Ian Hogg hasn't done any films that are interesting to us. Uh, he did do some um, sort of horror-related stuff on TV in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And we have Margaret Tyzak did TV stuff in the 60s, 70s, 90s and 2000s. She was also in, this is another, another incredible thing. She was also in 2001 A Space Odyssey in 1968, A Clockwork Orange in 1971, The Quatermass Conclusion in 1979 and Until Death in 2002. 
Yeah, it's again, again, it does seem to be that the fact that if they ever do horror films, they do them right. Yeah. The ones they go on to do. <laughs> then we have Charles Gray, who I'm sure people will again know, did TV stuff in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. He was in The Devil Rides Out in 1968. He was in Theatre of Blood in 1973 and Tales of Witness Madness in 1973. But in both of those, he just provided the voice for a character and was completely uncredited which is a bit weird. Uh, he did The Beast Must Die in 1974, The Rocky Horror Picture Show in 1975, Three Dangerous Ladies in 1977, Shock Treatment in 1981, and Firestar First Contact in 1991. Here we have Lee Montague, who again didn't do any films, but did do TV stuff in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. Uh, Hildegard Neal, who did TV stuff in the 60s and 70s, and then Marianne Broom, who did nothing. Nothing else of any interest to us whatsoever. Uh, then we have William Abney, who did some TV stuff in the 60s and 70s. He did uh, Horrors of the Black Museum in 1959, Never Take Candy from a Stranger in 1960, and City of the Dead in 1960. Uh, we have Patsy Smart, who did TV stuff in the 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s and was in The Telltale Heart in 1960 and Trauma in 1976. Uh, Matthias Kilroy, who just did some TV stuff in the 70s. Uh, Reg Harding, who did The play, uh, Plague of the Zombies in 1966 and Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope in 1977, but was uncredited in both of them. <laughs> Poor sod. Uh, then we have... Roger Daltrey. Yeah. Best known for being lead singer of The Who, obviously. Um, did some TV stuff in the 90s, 2000s, 2010s. He was in a film called Vampirella in 1996, which was a straight-to-video film. And then he was in a film called Dot Com for Murder in 2007, which I think is a computerised upgrade update of Dial M for Murder. But uh, I don't know. Anyway, the synopsis for this says an American couple in England stumble upon a rambling mansion where a number of powerful individuals have been summoned by its patriarch regarding the home's legacy. Okay. Now, I've got to say that, um, unfortunately, the original version that I had of this that I watched, which was just straight through film, which was on YouTube, has now been removed from YouTube, as has the entire channel it was on. So the only other version I could find of it on YouTube yeah. has somebody doing a pseudo-Elvira introduction to it and uh, bits throughout, throughout it with lots of very annoying adverts that just cut in and cut out without any kind of anything to tell you it's going to happen. Yeah. Which is rather annoying, but hey-ho. So, what did you think? <laughs> Always, I will say it's not the typical Sam Elliott film on Houston. It, it's not a typical. It's not a typical nineteen late seventies British horror. No, to be honest, to be honest, yeah, it's not a typical film on Houston. No, um, it's got. It's a very very weird. Um. A film really um there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of there's some very good aspects here i like some of the angles and camera shots they had 
<laughs> things, but I don't know. I will say it, uh, whether or not it was written this way and they chose him for it or whether or not they sort of decided afterwards after they chose him. But it's nice to see that no matter what film Sam Elliott's in, he has to ride a horse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Has to do the whole cowboy thing on it may, be, it may be in his contract, I don't know. Yeah. But it's a very young I've got me even I had to work this out. Sam Elliott was thirty four in the film. Yeah. That moustache just was there the whole time. Oh no. It's just amazing. I, I'm I must admit the only the only picture I've ever seen of Sam Elliott from a film where he hasn't got a moustache was in nineteen seventy, I think it was. He did a T American T V film. <laughs> About um, Evil Knievel. Yeah. And he didn't have a moustache in that. No. It's, I don't know, it's a, it is a good film, I suppose. It's got, um, in places. Um, I don't know, it's, <laughs> there's some weird and wonderful turn, twists and turns in it, and it's very bizarre, but I don't know. It's a very weird film. Okay. I do agree with you, actually. It's not a typical 70s film. No, it's not a typical 70s British horror film, movie at all. No. In, fact, in many ways, it reminds me of uh, of Italian horror movies. Hmm. It, it's that... Um, I don't know. There's it, something about it that reminds me of like Italian horror movies. It, it, it's very atmospheric. Not a lot happens in some parts of it. Even though you, you've got all the atmosphere going on and you're just yeah. expecting something to happen, but not a lot does. It's very interesting. But basically, it's a creepy house full of creepier people. Um, it's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just a creepy house full of creepier people that you find out later on that are actually. Well, it's, it's, it's weird because they said that they agreed to the comments about the fact that they're in a sort of witchcraft cult sort of thing. Yeah. But they're not. It's all to do with the, the owner of the house and his powers that he's got. Yeah. It, I mean, it doesn't start like a typical horror movie because, no. to be honest with you, the, the opening part, up until the point where they get knocked off their motorbike, it could have been a rom-com or a romantic movie. The music and the, the yeah. shots they were showing, it, it was very odd. Yeah. I thought, am I watching the right film? Uh, and to be honest, what I find quite interesting is that um, Catherine Ross doesn't, but Sam Elliott seems so out of place amongst those people. Yeah, even, even with even with the other American, who's the music producer in it, like the the sort of typical American music sort of sky for the seventies, it's all. Looks yeah, like a look yeah. like looks sort of a bit of a like rocker, but like rocker and like even he looked more pla in place than Sam Elliott does. But it's, it was, yeah. But I mean, his acting style is so <laughs> is so American compared yeah. to all the others. You know, it's, it's just. And I mean, the thing about it is, no matter what you, no matter what you want to say about Roger Daltrey. You can, you, he, he's, you know, he's, he's done some great songs over the years. He's, he's, he's got an incredible voice and all that kind of thing. He just isn't a good actor. No, he's, I would say that the, the barn doors were more convincing actors than he was. Mind but, you, there are, there are some other bits for the other people that aren't that great. Yeah. 
I've got a bit. There are, as I say, there's, there's, there's odd bits the whole way through it. Like, um, it just not so convincing, really. Like, like the whole the, the bit that I thought was just the worst bit actually of acting that I saw the whole way through it was when they the two of the characters were using the crossbows and shooting at the oh, targets, right, right. and then they turn and shoot at Sam Elliott's character, and the, the, the conversation they have walking over. Yeah, I thought was actually the worst acting out of all of it. To be honest, my favourite bit is <laughs> isn't like an escape scene where they try to escape the house. It borders on comedy. Yeah, partly because of the fact that the Sam Elliott gets more and more frustrated over the his acting gets more and more over the top. And the music doesn't fit what's going on at all. It's the sort of music you have you you, you have in a sort of as I say the romance film where people are riding off into the sunset. Yeah. Uh, even, even when they what? even when it starts getting to the point where they're it's obvious they're going round in circles. Yeah. Like it's going round in circles and keep coming back to the house or the gates or whatever. And it's still like they drive off, and I'm like, no, it should be a bit more suspenseful than this. It, it was just really kind of bizarre. Yeah. The whole bit was like strange, and it, I, mean, I don't know. It's really weird. It doesn't fit with the film at all. Um, yeah, I was going to say about Roger Daltrey. Yeah, the other, the only thing I would say is his death scene is probably the best acting he does in the entire film. Yeah, and that is just awful. <laughs> but it, it's a very strange film all round. Um, <laughs> you get, the angrier that Sam Elliott gets, the more American he gets. Yeah. <laughs> Pulling all these weird faces, and it just gets funnier. You can start making, you start starting to make me laugh. Um, but then, then they turn. It's really weird because they turn this kind of suspenseful, strange film into. They turn it using a very old-fashioned, well-used horror thing of she finds a painting of a woman that looks just like her, but from hundreds of years ago, that the patriarch and family was in love with. You kind of go, what? <laughs> when... but it's the fact, even, even the fact that, that it's sort of played on on that as well, because of the fact that there's a lot of horror films that yeah, they do that, and everyone goes, oh, okay. But even Sam Elliott's character turns around and goes, this is just too much. Like they've, yeah. they've obviously brainwashed you, and I'm like, "See, look, he—he's even saying this, and he's not even happened that many times yet." And it, of course, then Charles Gray—I've got a little bit of a spoiler here. Charles Gray gets set on fire, and the guy who's the stunt guy who's burning is brilliant, but when they show Charles Gray, it's just like sort of they've just superimposed some fire over the top of him, going, "Ah, yeah." <laughs> It's not not great, and nobody seems to hear him scream or smell him burning, including Sam Elliott and Catherine Ross. Yeah, who are outside the door, who are outside the room, um, and even they turn around. And it's just like I don't know what's happened now. Even without the sky, obviously, I'm not 100 percent sure what the smell of flesh burning smells like, but I know what burning hair smells like. Yeah, now you'd be able to hit and smell that as soon as you walked into the room. Well, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, and and uh, then of course the body disappears, and we see it later being fed to doggies. 
Yeah, doggies that look very vicious until they meet Sam Elliott and start licking him, which yeah. they were trying to catch, not catch on camera, but then realised that they were just playfully being with him. Even yeah. when they tried jumping up the gate and looking like they were fighting him. But, I mean, there were a few, a few other bits. It's like sort of, they, they, one of them gets killed with an exploding, this woman gets killed with an exploding mirror. And I thought that effect was really good. Oh, yeah. There are some great effects like that in it. But they then spoil it by the fact that literally about a minute after she's been killed, her blood has soaked through the floor and the ceiling of the other thing and is dripping on the floor downstairs. Yeah. It's like, how to get there through there that quickly? Yeah, so I think the funniest bit for me was, well, not, it's not even the funniest bit, but it's just sort of the overreacting bit is... The guy when he stands, the guy sitting on top of the roof, yeah, tries to shoot a shotgun with pinpoint accuracy. Yeah, I, I was a bit miffed by that. He's firing a shotgun and it's making it making a sound and hitting like a rifle. Yeah, is uh, shooting a shotgun with proper extraordinarily big buck shots. Yeah, on the, with the bullets and hitting them like the same pinpoint accuracy until he shoots at Sam Elliott and misses completely. Well, grazes his head, which I thought was the very other, good. The other thing I'm <clears throat> sure about is that when they show you picture from above the roof and you see where he's sitting, I'm really not sure how he managed to fire at Sam Elliott no. down below from there because it was too far back from the edge of the roof to be able to fire down at him. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just even now with... The, with um, well... <laughs> With the blowback of the gun, yeah, which was covered over by a bit of cardboard, well, that's what it looked like. But the, the explosion in the guy's face and the scream he gave off, and then then very gradually slid down the roof, which looked like he was. It's just that the way he slid down the roof was obviously made it look like he knew exactly where to put his feet. Yeah, so he yeah. didn't fall. But it's just. A lot of there were a couple of the death scenes where I looked at it and I was like, "Oh, really?" It's a very odd film. It's not a bad film, no. And in lots of ways, I quite like it because because it's definitely a different film from the other British horror films of the seventies, and and it's got something about it that makes you kind of go. This is just really odd, and I kind of like it some for yeah. some reason, even though there are so many things that are obviously wrong with it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's weird. It's one of them films where you sort of sit there and go, "I know I shouldn't like this, but yeah. I can't help. I can't help but like it." Or there's one another one like, you know, you shouldn't watch, but yeah, it's just you you have to. It's got, it's got... My, my only bit that I don't understand about this. I'm, whether or not it's just my naivety or what. But the whole way through it, Sam Elliott's character is against, completely against what's going on, doesn't believe the fact that she's anything tied to the house or uh, anything that she's saying is actually true. But yet the old man dies and suddenly he believes everything. Well, I think, I mean... He's accepting of it all. and Even the end, when they fade away the happy music that's playing yeah which confused the life out of me after what's just happened i think but, the thing about it is it's 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 uh I'm trying to say it without giving away too much of what i think is going on um 
I think it's the power, the power transfer thing. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, so I think that's what's going on there. Uh, but no, it is. It's a very. The weird thing for me is the fact that there is so much about it that is very similar to America uh, to Italian horror movies, but there are. But it's it's also got some real Britishness to it that really kind of like would only things that would only happen in a British horror movie, and and it's kind of strange. It's it's this mm. strange hybrid of films yeah. where it's kind of like. It's got a lot of a lot of stuff from the Italian horror movies, some stuff from the British horror movies, and two American stars, which kind of it's just a bit. It's, yeah, it's a very bizarre film, but it, it kind of works somehow. Mm. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how, but it does. Yeah, it, it's it's very odd. Like I sat there at the end of it, and I sat sort of thought to myself, like, can I, I've watched a lot of horror, especially sort of. 60s, 70s horror films where I've got to the end of it and I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. But this one, I sort of got to the end and I was like, okay. And I wasn't, okay, I wasn't overly excited that I'd watched it, but I wasn't massively disappointed either. No, it's 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 an okay, it's not a bad film. It's, no. It's weird. Okay, so there we have it. Uh, we had um, Moonfall, which was okay, but only just um and a bit over long we had mr sleep which we thought was excellent and as i say we will be talking to john paravalaris about the film and then we have the legacy which uh is an odd film but i think it's definitely worth watching because it is so different from all the other films that i've seen from around that sort of time yeah um it's definitely worth a watch yeah. so there you go Thank you very much, Scott, for joining me and being part of this. Okay, I'm glad I had the privilege to be here. Um, thank you to anybody and everybody that has listened, watched, or even thought about us. Um, and I say next week we will be uh, discussing Mr. Sleep and other works with uh, John Perivalaris and uh, things like that. So until then, goodbye. Goodbye. The Cyphora Film Podcast. Mm -hmm.